Hello everybody and welcome to OK. Let me tell you why you're wrong. I'm Dave Yost. First of all, I'd like to thank all of you, uh, the members of my small but growing listenership. I get my uh, listener stats through SoundCloud and I'm happy to see that the listenership is, is slowly but steadily growing. Our international listenership is also expanding, so I'd like to send a uh, shout-out to those of you in Japan, Canada, and the Philippines. I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, This episode is going to be another economics rant because, well, the internet is the internet, and given enough time, it will provide something economics-related that I need to vent about to all of you. Uh, This time it's not an article, uh, but a meme, and... I know what you're thinking, you can't get sucked into an argument about economics incited by a meme because that way lies madness. And yes, you're right. But I'm going to this one time because it actually leads into a broader topic that I'd like to talk about. Let me assure you that this will not turn into a podcast where I just yell at the internet because that's not a great great use of your, what's infinitely worse, my uh, time. So, to the meme in question, uh, it was posted by an old friend of mine, and and in fairness to him, he posted it as as more a way of launching a broader conversation that uh, he wanted to have. Um, However, I'm sure that many of you have friends that post similar things uh, that they feel are intensely profound. Uh, Unfortunately, we currently live in a world where a disturbingly large number of people seem to think that posting a meme somehow definitively proves a point about a subject that they clearly don't know anything about. But hey, it's got to be true, because it's in meme form. So, let me apologize in advance, because I'm about to spend an excruciating amount of time describing a meme... And while I'm not thrilled about that, it's really my only option in this, uh, the, the medium that I'm working in here, so bear with me. Anyway, the meme, and, and, and maybe you've seen some version of it, is a picture of James Senegal, the CEO of Costco, sitting on some pallet boxes in one of the aisles of one of his stores. Now, this is a... The, the, the meme I'm talking about is actually a meme of that meme. Uh, so the original version states uh, above the picture, Costco's CEO explains how they make record profits. And below that, there's a quote from James Senegal stating, uh, we pay workers 45k a year, provide health insurance, and let them unionize. The opposite of what Walmart does. Pretty standard pro-living wage, pro-care-for-employees meme. But again, this is a meme of that original meme. So, let's go a level deeper, just like in Inception. The meme that my buddy posted is the same James Senegal meme, except the words record profits have been crossed out and replaced with the phrase 10.5 billion less than Walmart. Um, With a little note, uh, that snarkily says, fixed it for you. Take that, everyone who thinks workers should be paid and treated equitably. Point made. Argument one. Mic drop.
except no. So I'd like to unpack this on two fronts. One regarding the use of facts and information and, and, and another where we get into the general idea of the whole thing. First, on the use of facts. Yes, it's true that Costco nets about $10.5 billion less than Walmart each year. But this statement should be your first red flag that something in the argument is amiss. Taken at face value, one could say, oh wow, $10.5 billion is a lot of money. And if that disparity exists between these two companies, then... The, the higher wages and benefits must be de detrimental to business. The problem with this is it presumes that Walmart and Costco are equal in all other ways, except their annual profits and how they compensate employees, allowing one to logically conclude that equitable pay is a drain on profits. However, what if we happen to be comparing two vastly different companies? Now, you might be saying, they're not vastly different, they're both big box retailers, and that is true. Uh, but this comparison is like saying that Earth's moon is larger than Jupiter, because Jupiter appears smaller in the night sky. The problem there is that you're not accounting for distance in your perception, and thus are making a statement that's entirely incorrect. In this case, before we compare net profits, we, we need to compare relative sizes of these two companies in order to get a sense of scale. Walmart operates 11,700 locations under 59 different banners worldwide, while Costco operates 729 locations worldwide. That means Walmart's global footprint, and, and thus their potential for making profits, is 16 times larger than Costco's. So, it should come as no surprise that Walmart's total realized profits are significantly larger than Costco's, even excluding their different labor strategies. Uh, of course Walmart makes larger profits in real dollars. They're significantly larger than Costco. Now, for those of you out there who may not have an economics or statistics background, this is an important idea to internalize, especially because these kinds of false equivalencies are made constantly, not just by memes, but throughout the media, politics, and, and really anywhere where facts are being debated in a desperate attempt to reinforce people's preconceived notions. And... Before the angry posts start, let me assure you that all sides of the political and ideological spectrum use this tactic. And why not? It's a devastating tactic on your opposition to drop a fact or a statistic that undercuts their argument. Where this becomes really problematic is when we hunt for just that quote, or that stat, or that meme that reinforces our beliefs but never question it. Where, where it becomes really detrimental is when we stop debating as a way to achieve greater understanding and consensus, and instead debate only in an attempt to beat the other side into submission. By doing this, we, we weave a twisted version of reality that prevents us from getting to a realized truth 
uh, whether we like that truth or not. And yeah, but the other side does it. Excuse is really unacceptable. I, I truly hate that rationale because it creates this false safe space in the course of a debate where if you can't keep your side from being disparaged because of your tactics, you feel that if you can just spread the ashes around enough, then no one can hold the moral high ground and the match will have to at least be called a draw. You may not win the argument, but at least you won't lose. One of my uh, absolute favorite quotes from the TV show The West Wing uh, is where Aaron Sorkin's writing sums up what I've just spent several minutes ranting about in a single sentence. Uh, Martin Sheen's character has this brilliant line where he's uh, criticizing the nature of politics, and he says that uh, he says the quote: "We come to occupy a moral safe house where everyone's to blame, so no one's guilty." I love that line uh, because it perfectly describes what I've just been talking about. Anyway, stirring digression that is also a call to our better angels over. Back to the economics. So you want to always be careful when someone is comparing two stats to you because unless they're giving you a sense of relative scale, there's really nothing of value to be gained from the comparison. It's not to say that you can't draw parallels between two things that may be different. You just need to look at the key and the scale before a map is of any real use to you. This is why economists and statisticians uh, like to talk about numbers per capita, because this allows for a little more direct comparison between two things that might be very different. So let's give that a try. Not really to make a, a you know a definitive argument against Walmart or Costco, but but more so to make a point about how comparative statistics uh, can go really pear shaped on your argument if you look at them in a different scale. Now, if we really want to stick up for Walmart, maybe you should compare net sales because in 2016 Walmart's posted. Uh, net sales were $482 billion uh, compared to a poultry showing from Costco of only $118 billion. That's a difference of $364 billion. Or maybe you want to compare gross profit, excluding the cost of goods sold, because we know that Walmart's business strategy involves acquiring goods as cheaply as possible to keep their prices low. That would show Walmart in 2016 with gross with gross profits of 124 billion compared to Costco's 15 billion. That's a huge gap. I think that the anti-Costco people might might have this one, except for the idea of a per capita style comparison. So. As, as we have established, Walmart operates 11,700 locations to Costco 729. So one might wonder if a more apt comparison would be to see if their respective profits, or rather what their respective profits are relative to the number of locations. 
uh, or per location, because that might give more insight into the relative success of each company's business practices. After all, you can rake in a billion dollars, but if your overhead is two billion, then you're not doing very well. To do this accurately, we're going to use net profits as our comparative stat, but trust me, the result comes out pretty much the same no matter what financial metric you use. So Walmart's net profits for 2016 come out to $13.64 billion, and Costco's only come out to $2.35 billion. However, with the disparity in the size of each company, Dividing net profits by the number of locations, a Walmart store brings in $1,165,811.97 per year, while a Costco location brings in $3,223,593.97 per year. Uh-oh, how did that happen? Well, that's the power of using statistics rather than just shouting them. So, Costco may make less in real dollars, but despite higher salaries, benefits, and unionization, they seem to be getting more out of what they have. Now, that's not to say that if Costco scaled themselves up to Walmart size that, it would, that this would remain true because their sales would get eaten into by increased overhead, but we'd have to break out more heavy-duty math to, to project that and I'll save that for a later episode at least these more reflective statistics give us somewhere to go on the conceptual level how does one account for higher profits per location for Costco a store that proudly trumpets the fact that they intentionally incur more overhead costs by paying their employees higher salaries than Walmart and offering benefits well, I have a theory about that, and it has to do with labor strategy in the modern economy. Retail today is dominated by an imposing shadow that is quickly growing across the landscape of the market, and that shadow has a name, Amazon, or uh, more broadly, online retail. I could, and probably will, do multiple episodes on the significance and impact of online retail and Amazon.com specifically. As I'm sure I've discussed before, I've been told that I, I take a sick delight in, in watching newcomers enter and upend a marketplace. I enjoy it because it's precisely what's supposed to happen in markets when something better comes along. Members of the market can either match the new competitor, specialize to secure a niche share of the market, or die a slow, painful death. As uh, Darwin said, uh, though he is often misquoted, uh, it's not the strongest that survive, or the most intelligent, but the ones most accepting of change. Amazon offers a lot that brick-and-mortar retail simply can't. Um, having grown up in a time when online retail was not so ubiquitous, I cannot tell you the number of times in my life that I've gone into a store and asked an employee if they carry a certain item, only to be told the most disappointing and disheartening of phrases, what we've got on the shelf is what we've got. You know who doesn't tell me that? 
Amazon. If I ask Amazon if they have uh, something, the answer is yes. That's why in the realm of retail, online retail is simply a better overall product. Now, <laughs> I do feel the need to just clarify that I am not an employee nor a shareholder in Amazon, though I am a Prime member. Uh, I'm just an economist who loves to watch stagnant members of a market topple in the face of a better idea. Now, let me bring this back to my theory on labor strategy and why Costco does, does better per location than Walmart. In a world where brick-and-mortar retailers can no longer compete with online, on, online retail on things like product diversity, product availability, or even price, if they hope to survive in the, in the new world order, they need to leverage an aspect of their business that can't be replicated or improved on in an online retail environment. Of the aspects of the business that could be leveraged, I can think of two big ones. Uh, the first is the, avail is the ability to browse. Now, Amazon and other online retailers have tried to mitigate this by creating elaborate algorithms to anticipate your desires based on things you've already purchased, and overall, they're pretty good at it. I have purchased an embarrassing amount of the items that come up as you may also be interested in uh, on Amazon because uh, yes, I, I am interested in that. Uh, however, what Amazon can't really recreate is the experience of walking into a department store or a big box store not knowing precisely what you want and simply looking around until you find it. An example of this from my own life was when I, I was looking for a very specific type of glassware. Uh, there's a type of glass that's really prevalent in bars around Chicago, likely because uh, they probably all use the same supplier for their glassware. But it's a it's a tall, skinny glass with a, a decently weighted bottom that is perfect for a cocktail or a cold drink in the summer because you can really stack the ice cubes in the glass so that they, they, they contact as much of the liquid as possible. Now, I was trying to find some of these glasses for myself, and since I was over the age of 25 at the time, I wasn't really keen on stealing them from uh, the bars that I would go to, you know, one at a time. Uh, I figured that I was an adult, gainfully employed i can just buy these glasses so the problem that i ran into was that to me they were chicago bar glasses which as it turns out will not yield great results when used in a keyword search on amazon uh, what i had to do was go to a store that specialized in glassware and browse until i found what i wanted again Amazon can't really replicate that experience, and, and brick-and-mortar retailers would be smart to try to push that advantage. Of course, completely ruining the moral of my story after finding out that uh, what I was looking for is ca actually called a Collins glass. Uh, I pulled out my phone and bought a set of them on Amazon for $5 less than they wanted for them in the store. But 
I think the principle still holds. <laughs> the The second aspect that I, I, th I think brick and mortar retailers can and should leverage, uh, and this gets us back to the original topic, is customer service. And despite this, Amazon is, is really trying anyway. Um, granted, anytime that I've, I've had an issue with an item purchased through Amazon, they have been Johnny on the spot with replacing or refunding the item. But there's just something about actually talking to a store employee, having them help you find what you need, possibly offering suggestions that you wouldn't have thought of or even known about, and that I, I don't think can truly be matched in an online retail environment. Uh, of course, what I've just described is the experience that one gets from an employee that is both competent and happy with their job. Uh, I'm sure that we've all experienced the opposite of that, probably at Walmart. Uh, the idea being that the kind of customer service that customers want, uh, the kind of customer service that can't be replicated by online retailers, is one that comes from having employees that are satisfied and, and in fact, uh, proud of their job. And uh, one of the best, best ways of ensuring that your workforce meets those standards is to compensate them adequately to ensure that attitude. I've always been a little mystified by the cognitive dissonance that exists in people that argue correctly, mind you, that higher wages and, and better benefits are, are essential to ensuring that only the best, most qualified candidates rise to the top when it relates to CEOs and, and, and corporate leaders, but don't feel that that principle also applies to people not making hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, they, they'll argue we, we need to let the financial industry pay their CEOs nine-figure salaries so that they can make sure that only the best people run their companies, but teachers demanding more money is outrageous. Competent and talented teachers will keep teaching out of pure love of the profession? The fact is that yes, salaries and benefits do serve as an incentive that increases demand for a job and thus broadens your pool of potential applicants to a point where you can be selective and choose only the best, most qualified, most motivated person for the job. And that holds true no matter what income bracket you're talking about. So if Costco offers better wages and benefits, the pool of potential Costco employees will be of a higher quality. Plus, at a higher wage and with benefits, the loss of that job would be significantly more detrimental to that employee than it would for a job paying minimum wage with no benefits. As a result, your employees will work harder because they don't want to lose that job and those benefits. What, what Costco may be doing whether it's coming from a place of compassion or strategy, will likely help them weather the market instability brought on by the, this rise of online retailers better than, than many of their competitors will. With a happier, more effective, more motivated labor force, 
they may be able to offer that key aspect of customer service to a point that will keep customers walking through their doors rather than staying at home and making the same purchase online. This is borne out in the numbers as well. Costco's net profits have been on a generally upward trend over the past few years going from $1.71 billion in 2012 to $2.35 billion last year. Walmart, on the other hand, has been slipping consistently over that same general period, going from $17 billion in 2013 to $14.69 billion last year. What the meme that started this whole rant, labeled as a foolish and inefficient use of corporate money, may in fact be the thing that keeps Costco in business while their competitors die off. I'd like to thank you all once again for listening, and uh, again remind you that if you uh, like what you've heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and definitely rate this podcast on iTunes. Uh, Again, future episodes coming up, we'll uh, again get back to uh, sitting down with guests and talking to them. Um, Also, a reminder that there is an OK, Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong group on Facebook. Feel free to join the rest of us there for discussions about this episode and recommendations uh, for future episodes. I'll uh, talk to you all again in two weeks.